Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. This is the word of the Lord. So we're going to just be pretty casual this morning, if you'll allow us to do that. And so we're going to talk just a little bit about how this all came about for us to be up here together. And so, Kelly, when Chris uh, asked us to preach on this topic, and just so you'll know, that we're going to try to tackle this over two weeks. And so Keith and Amy Davis will be here next week to really unpack a little bit more about this passage. But when Chris talked about us preaching this passage on submission and marriage, he thought it'd be a really good idea to have our wives join us. What was your first thought when I came to you and said that? My first thought would have been, oh, well, that'd be great. Let's teach. But then when he said submission, I was like, no, no. <laughs> then I thought, well, that doesn't sound right, does it? You're going to talk on submission and you're saying no. But I am. Um, I thought, um, I'm a woman that works at it daily to submit to my husband. And what more that, um, that I got to dive into the scriptures. And I just pray that the Lord has something for me to share with you today um, as I continue to walk my journey as daily submission. So here I am. I said yes. So. <laughs> and you're really uh, well versed in this. You love speaking in front of people. It's not my thing. And, I'm a small group, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. So, so, but, but. Anyway. so what, is, uh, what makes submission so hard to talk about? I think a lot of it when we hear submission, we, we don't have a lot of good ideas when we hear that, right? Um, a lot of the terms that come with that, um, people misunderstand exactly what submission is. Um, but it's important that we're going to look into the definition and the purpose of what the Bible speaks about with submission rather than what our culture tells us today. Um, so um, I also think that people abuse it and make people feel less than when they you hear that word submission. But we know that Genesis 127 tells us that God created us both equal, right, and in his image. And um, we both have value. So, but we do know that God gave us different roles in marriage. And so that's what we're going to kind of unpack and discuss today. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, it is a hard subject to talk about. In fact, you're right. Uh, this passage has really been taken out of context for, for many, many years, uh, especially uh, men using that to uh, either be a tyrant or domineering in the, in the home or um, to really abuse women. And, and so uh, I, I want to address that, and we want to address that, that this has been really taken out of context. And so, um, you know, leave it to, to Chris to give us a passage like this to try to talk about today. Um, but we're going to do our best. And so, but before we start, I really think we need to 
talk about the history and the context that this is written in uh, and, and the culture back then that Peter is speaking to uh, for us to really understand that. So Peter, as we know, we've, we're studying First Peter, and Peter is writing to uh, believers, new believers, um, all, all of the people at this time are new believers, so to speak. And so he's writing to believers who are learning how to live a Christian life in the midst of persecution. Now, we're not being persecuted today. Uh, we may feel a little bit uncomfortable in the culture that we live in today. Uh, we're more of an obstacle, right? Our culture is going one way, we're an obstacle. These people in in Peter's time are being persecuted for their new faith. And so he's trying to help them live as believers underneath the authority of unbelievers, okay? And so um, he's unpacked all of this in chapters 2, and then in chapter 13, or in verse 13, Paul begins to lay out this idea of submitting to authority um, in your life as a way to live a godly life among those who do not believe. And so he starts with the government, right? And he starts and says, submit to all governing authority. And, and um, whether we like that or not, that's what we're called to do. Whether that's a, um, a Christian authority in our government or not, we're called to submit under that authority. Um, we can't drive 40 or 60 miles an hour in a school zone. Uh, we can't go rob people's houses. You know, those are things that we need to submit under um, under that authority so that we can live an orderly life. Um, then he goes on and talk about employment, right? Or slaves and masters. And really in our day, in our culture, that's talking about employment. And so last week we talked about how um, we submit to our bosses, whether they're Christian or not. And so, you know, we submit to them, him or her. And if we don't, we're looking for another job. And so as Christians, we live our lives a godly life by submitting to even ungodly leadership. Um, doesn't mean that we uh, submit in a way that we, we are led into sin, but we absolutely live this godly life um, of submission um, so that people can see the gospel in us. In chapter 3, Peter, we just read it, Peter begins to talk about submitting to authority in the home. Um, you know, in other places throughout scripture, it talks about children obeying your parents. That's an authority statement as well. Um, and now it gets to husbands and wives. Um, and it uses this term in the same way or likewise twice. So it basically means that we're both submitting to each other at some level. And so he uses, uh, we're submitting to one another, but we're, we're carrying out that way we submit to each other in different roles, in different ways. And so, although this is a challenge to talk about husbands and wives loving one another, this is a challenge for all wives, um, even us in the room today, but he's specifically talking in this passage to believers in the home who are living with unbelievers, an unbelieving spouse. And so, in, we have to back up and really talk about the Roman culture in this time. Uh, the Roman culture in this time really... Uh, allowed for uh, uh, the man to be the, the domineering leader in the home. Uh, he had all rights to life, could, could kill his wife, kill his kids if they did not submit, and that was legal. 
Um, he had all uh, right to beat them into submission. Um, the wife then, as a believer, tended to use her uh, outward appearance to, to seduce her husband into believing Christ and into coming to church. It's very, very um, different culture than today, right? And so that was the Roman culture that Peter is speaking into. And in the verses that we just read, he said, women, don't use your outward appearance to get your husband to come to Christ. Instead, be, let your inner beauty that comes from your relationship with Christ be what draws him. And men, don't be domineering. Don't be that tyrant. Instead, seek to understand them and treat them as the weaker vessel. And now I, I know that's a, kind of a, leer, uh, that's a, that's a term that's a little bit, that jumps off the page and goes, I, hey, I'm not a weaker vessel, right, women? But in here, it, it really means to treat them like fine china. Treat them like, oh, they're, they're gentle, they're fragile. And that doesn't mean you're not strong, um, but it means that we treat you with respect and cherish you rather than dominate you. Um, and so this is the culture Peter, Peter is writing to, and the truth is uh, resistance to submission has transcended culture, right? I mean, we have a problem with it today. This is written thousands of years ago, and we still have an issue with submission. So everyone, women, men, children, nobody likes the idea of submitting Here's the deal. We try to justify not submitting to somebody because it's their fault, right? So I don't want to submit to the government. I don't want to pay taxes because they may not do the right thing with my money. Or I don't want to submit to my boss because he's really incompetent. He doesn't know what he's doing, so I don't want to submit to him. And so we're putting that on somebody else. I don't want to submit to my husband because he's just not a good leader, and so it's always putting on submit. But the reality is, this, the, the problem and the issue that we have with submission is not the object of who we're submitting to. It's really a heart issue. It's, it's the condition of our heart. It's the sinful nature. Because guess, get this. Um, uh, God, who is our perfect father, right? Uh, All-knowing, all-powerful, wants the best for us, loves us unconditionally, and he tells us and lines out for us how to live a godly life. And yet we have a hard time submitting to him. And so it's not the object because he's perfect and godly and we still have a hard time submitting to him. So it's our condition of our heart. It's, a, it's no wonder that if we struggle to submit to God, we're going to struggle to submit in our marriages. But um, so, the, so the, really the first thing that we have to see about marriage today and submission is that it truly is a part of God's design in marriage. In Genesis chapter 2, it is very, very clear that God is the one who designed marriage, right? He brought Adam and Eve together for a very specific purpose, one to create other people and procreate and, and really grow the world, but two, uh, to really use his this marriage relationship as a platform to display the gospel. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But we're going to read out of Ephesians now. So if you'll open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, Kelly's going to read verses 21 through 25. Okay. Wives, submit to your husband as the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body 
of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to your husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So Paul talks about the mystery of marriage uh, and how it's patterned after Christ's covenant with the church, right? And so I think we need to understand this before we talk about submission and headship. And so um, in the picture that is set up in the garden um, with Adam and Eve, that was there to really display what was going to happen years later on the cross, And that was God's original design, that Jesus is the groom who comes to rescue his bride, who needs rescuing, who needs to be loved. And he he lays down his life for her to satisfy the wrath of the punishment of the sin and rebellion that his bride had, right? And so um, we are the bride, we're the church um, in this passage that that Paul's talking about, who needed rescuing. Um, We yield our choices. We yield our will. We yield to him who has laid his life down for us and rescued us. And so that is part of, we we trust in him for everything because he laid down his life for us. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And marriage was designed to display that gospel better than any other thing that God has created and put together. Um, as the designer of marriage, uh, God gets to decide how that plays out, how that works, right? So, for instance, uh, I, I, I have had a lot of times at Christmas Eve where I have had to do some, some assembly required gifts, right? Or anytime, birthdays and that kind of stuff. And so, uh, there are some things that come that need to be put together, and I pull out the instructions. I hate instructions. I hate looking down there. I don't understand them half the time. And so I try to do things my way. And this is when my family start to laugh and go, yeah, we've, we've been there. We've done that, and we've seen that. And so I'll get about halfway through, and what? I'll either have missed a part or I, I put it together wrong. And so I have to go all the way back and start over. The truth is, if I would just follow the instructions, it would work and it would be perfect at the end, right? And so God, the designer of marriage, gives us a way that this plays out, gives us both roles as husbands and wives, has how this plays out. Whether we like it or not, that's how God designed it. And he's the designer we ought to trust in. And so... Uh, When we talk about the biblical roles in marriage, they're not popular in our culture. But did you catch it in verse 21 today as Kelly was reading that? We submit first to each other out of reverence for Christ. Before he even said, guys, love your husband or love your wives as Christ loves the church. Wives, submit to your husband. Before he says any of that, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for what Christ did for you. So because Christ died for you and gave his life for you, submit to him first. And so then as you submit to one another, God's going to give you that uh, help that you need to do that. So we're going to unpack this a little bit about the, the headship and the submission and how this all plays out in Ephesians. And I'm going to let Kelly 
speak to the submission part of it. Uh, I think that's wise, don't you? Uh, so, Kelly, tell us a little bit about what it means for a husband, uh, to, for a wife to submit to her husband's leadership. Okay, ladies, here we go. <laughs> so, first, um, I want to look at a definition of submission, and let's just start there. I love one by John Piper, um, submission is the divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. This is a great description um, about a lot of women, how we still see submission in a negative way as a bad word. But our definition um, tells us that a wife is to honor and affirm her husband. Um, so submission is a loaded word, right? Lots of meaning behind that, lots of control. And I know if you're like me, um, I like to say I'm not a strong-willed person, but I kind of am, and I don't like to be controlled, right? That's just kind of who I am. But um, when we look at it in a way that we're not being controlled and that by someone else when we look into submission, but we're an active participant in the marriage role and how God designed it to work. And um, we all have value. We have something to offer. Um, when it comes to marriage, we're, we're our husband's helpmate. Um, he still wants us to think and be logical. Um, just I'll, Here's a side note. So if, so if Brad decided he was going like, to take my paycheck and say, hey, I'm going on down to the casino, well, I might need to help him out to realize that that's probably not a wise decision. Like you know, help me out, like go with me? Not so, to oh. go that direction. So, oh, sorry, not to take it that way. But it is, we are still to help our husbands. We are an active participant when it comes to um, still in our submission role. So, um, but as we know that, only one person can lead. And that's where God has given our husbands to lead. And we are choosing to submit to him and allow him to come before, to come before us. So it's important today that we look at what God says about submission and let the Bible speak to that definition and purpose of submission. So we said earlier, I keep thinking this on the screen, sorry it's not. Submission is choosing to yield our will to someone else's will. And as it pertains to marriage, our wives are choosing to, we choose to yield to our husband. We're choosing to say, I'm allowing you to lead me. Um, the Bible does say, wives, we are to submit to our own husband, not to someone else's husband, not to someone else's authority, but to our own husband. Um, is he always going to be good at it? No. Are they going to make mistakes? Probably so, right? Probably so. Um, but this is the role that we are to play in marriage for marriage to work out. So um, we read in Ephesians 5, the Bible is clear on how God designed marriage to work. And Brad had kind of stated, but for wives, it comes down to this. Are we submitted to God and his will for our lives? If we are, then um, we must be submitted to his design for marriage. Because God has a perfect plan for us. And if submission is part of it, then we know it's got to be the best plan. So, but first, we have to be committed to the Father and his will for our life. So, living in a culture that basically says that this kind of passage or this kind of thinking is archaic. And that women need to take more of the lead. And women need to be more um, intentional in that. Um, we have to be careful as believers 
that we're submitted to God first. Remember, that's the whole thing, that we're submitted to God first. And if we truly submit to God in everything, then we submit to his plan, not just for marriage, but for everything in our lives, right? And his plan for our marriage is a headship and submission for the husband and wives and how that plays out. So that's his plan. That's not our design. That's not our design. That's God's design. So if we're submitting to God with our lives in every area, then we submit to his design for marriage too. So, And if we don't have um, a heart that's submitted to him, the word submissions, it's really hard to swallow. That's, that's a tough one. So um, first and foremost. So clearly God chose husbands to be the leader in the home. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't um, have important roles to play, right? We have amazing abilities. We're talented. Um, we have amazing things to offer for our family and our marriage. Um, but our roles are different. And so God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing. Um, out of honor and obedience to God, submission should be offered willingly to someone who is humble in their leadership. It's easy for me to submit to Brad um, when he leads with humility instead of the authoritarian type, right? Um, leadership um, makes it easier to follow. It makes us, um, when I see that he cares for us, rather than um, just using that position that makes it trust him more. Um, it's easier to submit. Um, I always, it's a great example when we see the love coming from our husband that um, it is easier to submit. Um, even in our family, those things. I have an example. Brad is wonderful at putting us first. Our family, me, our family needs before his needs. Um, and so kids can tell you, I've got two drivers now, but even before we had drivers, Brad always chose, we'd get a new car, he'd drive the old car because he wanted us to have the best. So he's always put the, his needs behind our needs, and that just makes submission so much easier to follow. So when we see that love coming from our husbands. so um, Okay, so ladies, we've learned that our calling is to submit and our husband's calling is to lead. So Brad's going to kind of tell us more about what that looks like. Before we get to there, again, going back to the passage being that, let's say I'm not a believer and I'm not loving you the way Christ loves the church. Um, the call is still submission. The, not, the call is not to leave. The call is not to, uh, you know, um, manipulate uh, me into knowing and and following Christ. And so the call is submission, whether I'm a believer or not, whether I love you or not, whether I act like it or not, right? And so uh, we have to understand that, that if you're in an um, unequally yoked marriage, uh, God's calling you to still carry out these roles in order for you to display the gospel to your husband or to your wife. Um, because the passage that we read talked about to win him over with your actions instead of your words. And so I think it's important to know that now if you're not a believer and I'm loving you like Christ loved the church, that's going to make you want to think about what it, what's causing me to do that. And so I think back and forth, we have to remember that even if you're not a believer, um, even if your wife or your husband's not a believer, to do it this way, uh, to honor God. So let's talk about headship. Um, John Piper's, again, his definition on the other side would be headship is the divine calling of a husband to take the primary responsibility for Christ-like servant leadership, okay? 
um, there's that word. Even though God has given me as the man of the house ultimate authority, the calling is not to be a tyrant or a dictator. The call is to be a servant leader. And so um, how this plays out in, in, in our marriages, I, you know, most of the decisions that are made, um, we make together as a family. Um, I don't really care about a lot of little things. And so I submit in those times, you know, where are we going to go eat today? Yeah, I, I really don't care. But they do, really so I it. submit, right? I submit to that. I, I can eat anything except sushi. Don't take me to sushi. Um, um, where we go on vacation? You know, I know Kelly loves the beach. I'd go to the beach every year. That's fine, but I love the mountains. I, I love skiing. I love being in the cold. I love other things. Uh, I love history. I love going to the Northeast and doing all that stuff. But if she wants to go to the beach, we'll go to the beach, right? And so um, we have built three houses together. And some say, well, that'll tear a marriage up quicker than anything, right? And so now we didn't physically build the houses, but we, we picked all this stuff out as they were building it. Did I get to pick the co- color of the carpet, the trim, the faucets, all that? No, I, I didn't want to. I submitted that, okay? And I said, you know, you do that. And I didn't care, but that's okay. Because when I yield in certain areas, instead of saying, I'm the leader, I get to make the decision here it really helps Kelly begin to trust me when I do have to make the hard calls, right? Um, In addition to that, Kelly has some great talents and gifts that I don't have. Um, It would be foolish for me not to include her in some of the decisions. For instance, I I mean, she's got a medical degree. She's a nurse. Uh, She graduates from school from OBU with a nurse's degree. And so, and... And so anytime there's ever medicine or injuries or any kind of medical stuff, it would be foolish for me to go, I got this, I got it. I think we ought to just tape that up, we'll be good to go. No. I think he's be done that before. And I have done that before. <laughs> I think I did. Yeah, the first time I was babysitting, uh, my one-year-old daughter, uh, she sliced her chin open, and uh, it was my fault, I'm sure. Uh, but I was like, oh, let's just put some tape on that. We'll be good to go. Mom's at work and blood's everywhere. Let's fix this ourselves. But anyway, it'd be foolish for me to not include her in the decision. So I'm, I'm not leading from a dictator position. I'm leading from a servant leadership position. There's so many times, um, there's probably less than I can count on one hand that I have to make the hard decisions for our family. And that's really what this is talking about. The husband is the ultimate authority. Yeah, I get to make, I get to be the end-all decision maker. But really, in those times, there's only been like two or three in our lifetime, 26 years. I remember a time when uh, we were, God was calling us to move from Oklahoma to Houston. I grew up in Houston. That's home base for me. Love every minute of it. Love the traffic. Love the humidity. I'm just weird, okay? Houston's home. Oklahoma is home for her. She grew up in Muskogee. Uh, her family's here, her sister's in Edmond. And so here we are in Moore, Oklahoma, serving on staff at a church, and God's calling us to Houston. I'm like, let's go. She's not so eager, right? And so in those moments, there's some input and there's some discussion. But I have to see, say and make the call, God is leading us this direction. I get it. It's uncomfortable to leave family, to leave your home. 
and go somewhere else, but this is where God's calling us. And she understood that, but those, don't, those are very few in our relationship. A lot of the times, the decisions are there for us to do together. And so husbands lead that way as a servant leader, not a dictator. Uh, husbands, we're just to love our wives like Christ loved the church, uh, lay our lives down for her, whether she loves us back, whether she deserves it or not. Again, going back to even an unbeliever, even as a believer, sometimes we don't deserve what God has called us to give to one another. So uh, we love that way uh, regardless. The scary part of this passage for me is at the very end when it says, do this so that your prayers will be unhindered. Wow. That means that my relationship with God is affected by our relationship. When we're not seeing eye to eye, we're not, we're not loving each other and respecting one another, then my relationship with God is hindered. My prayers are hindered. Um, that, that's tough to swallow, but it's a truth that I need to hear. Uh, wives, I know submission is hard, but leading and loving like Christ loved the church is no easy task either. Um, and both of us need to do this with God's help. It's important that we hear a few things about these roles real quick. These roles were not randomly assigned and can't be reversed any more than the Christ in the church can be reversed. The church can't go and save Christ. So, right, you can't reverse that. These roles can't be reversed either. These roles were given before the fall. They're given in the Garden of Eden before the fall. God gave Adam the headship and Eve the submission, the, the helpmate, in chapter 2 of Genesis before the fall in chapter 3. It was not an afterthought. Um, sin didn't create headship and submission. It just distorted it and made it ugly. Um, and these roles were not based on value. We both have intrinsic value eternal value with our creator. So it has nothing to do with value. We're valued equally. It's just where God put uh, a leader in place. We are co-heirs with the inheritance of God, First Peter says. This is the way God created marriage to work, and it's designed to be the best platform. So this is why our big point today, as we close out, is marriage magnifies or minimizes the gospel story. Marriage magnifies or minimizes the gospel story. The way we carry out uh, the roles God has given husbands and wives has the potential to magnify the story or minimize it. When we understand this, we ought to feel the weight of this. Uh, if you're not married today, I hope that you get married and you have a great life and you have fun together and you enjoy it. But the happiness and the enjoyment of marriage is not the goal. The goal is to display in your relationship the gospel story. How Jesus loved us, gave his life for us, and how we as a church submit everything to him. And when that is messed up, that's why divorce is so, that's why divorce breaks the heart of God. It distorts the whole gospel story. So if you come from a divorced home or if you're divorced or if you have divorce rampant in your family, you have an understanding. You have a, a time right now to understand the magnitude of what marriage truly is and rewrite your story and write the gospel story of displaying the best way that you know how as husband and wives 
the way Christ loved us unconditionally. That makes sense? When we feel the weight of that, man, uh, it ought to change some things. So marriage has a way to maximize or minimize the gospel story. This was played out in Kelly's life and her family in a way that is pretty powerful. And I want her to share just a little bit about what happened there real quick. So before I get in, I'm going to go back and just read um, verses 1 and 2. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Um, so submitting to our husband's leadership is a beautiful thing, ladies, and it can change a lost man's heart um, with um, our actions over our words. Um, scripture even gives us huge examples of things that reveal God um, to us. Romans 1 talks about all of his creation, the sunrise, sunsets, the mountains, the oceans. Brad talked about how I love the beach. There's not a time that I don't go to the beach and I sit there and I am in awe of that God did a huge work here, that he did this. And ladies, so much can be said about a wife who submits to her husband, that God must have done a huge work in her life. So, um, because there's no way that a wife can come under a man's leadership, his authority, um, unless Jesus Christ has done something there. So um, it's an undeniable work of the gospel in a woman's life. Um, for her to say, I know he doesn't lead well or even love me well, but I'm going to come under his authority will cause other people to wonder, wow, what's going on? Why? How does she do it? So a submissive wife is beautiful. She's attractive, and she can turn um, a lost man to Jesus. So I will share just a few minutes of just kind of my story. Um, it's still kind of fresh, so just bear with me. Um, but my mom and dad were married a little over 15 years before my dad came to know the Lord. Um, through those years, my mom stayed plugged into church. She kept him involved around those friends that loved the Lord. But for the first several years of her marriage, she thought she could do it. She tried to change him. Um, it just wasn't, wasn't working. And she just kind of kept, come to church, come to church, come to church. Those words, those words. Um, then I think she realized it's not going to happen, my words. Um, but she continued um, to love, to pray, and to submit to my dad with her actions. And... He really didn't have any background in church. Um, he didn't know much of the gospel, wasn't raised in church. But my dad accepted Jesus when my sister was four and I was one. Um, due to my mom's obedience, the directions of my whole family life changed. So um, my dad, here's his testimony, he spent over 30 years teaching in the children's ministry at our church. He was a deacon and served our church body back home in Muskogee for, I think, over 40, 30, 40 years. Um, the church I grew up and was baptized in. Um, I'll tell you, my dad walked the halls of the church until he could no longer walk. My dad recently passed away at the age of 80, almost a year ago, um, approaching that. Um, but my parents were able to celebrate 58 years of marriage um, 
just a few weeks before my dad passed away. Um, he loved the Lord, he loved my mom, and he loved our family. And now he's spending eternity in heaven. But what is so thankful about that story is that I'm thankful for this gospel story that the Lord let me be a part of, to see my mom with her actions and her submission and her love bring my dad to Christ and change the rest of my family. So, I am so grateful for that story. Um, I'm a part of it too. And I got to see um, the changed man when I came into the family and how much he loved his wife who loved him uh, and submitted to him and his will. Um, man, it was a great, great story. So our marriages truly do have the ability to maximize the gospel story or minimize it. And so what I want us to do today is take some time in prayer and uh, take, take some time if you're married and you're sitting with your husband or your wife to maybe pray together in, at your seat and just kind of recommit to one another that you're going to submit your wills to one another as you submit to God and allow your marriage to really truly be the best tangible expression to a lost and dying world of what the gospel is all about. We have that, that's what marriage is. That's what you're carrying with you as you leave. You're carrying with you a platform to share the gospel and how you love one another. So I want us to take some time. If you'll bow your heads with us and, and um, if you're coming to kind of play behind me a little bit. Um, but I, I want you to take some time with your husband or your wife. If you're not married, I pray that you would just take this time to to commit yourself to submitting to God first in every area of your life and maybe even praying for that time where God brings into that into your life that person that you're going to commit your life to that you would understand the weight of what you would commit to on that day and that you would begin to pray for your marriage even now that it truly would display a great gospel story Father, I pray that as we take some time to commit to you, that we want to submit our lives, everything in our lives, every area of our lives to you, including this marriage relationship that we might be in or maybe that you have preparing for us. We understand what you're calling us to do and we submit that, so we submit to you. Use us, use our lives currently as single or married to display the gospel story in such a way that it magnifies who you are 